Hey everyone, welcome to the Swish Woodlad Podcast. As always, I'm super grateful to have Swish bring this episode to you and it's super cool to see this platform changing people's lives after they receive a video message from their hero. I'm personally still buzzing from my one from Peter Gus Cooler, and I'm lining up who my next one's going to be. It's super easy to use, very affordable and up to 70% of the proceeds do go to Kiwi Kids Charities. And as a Waterlad listener, I can get you 10% off your order with the code WATERLAD and I'll leave a link in the description to make it easy. Also, for all the coffee and tea drinkers out there, Pomeroy's are still offering Waterlad listeners 20% off any coffee or tea orders and they have the best coffee beans and the best variety of teas going around. The discount code is LAD03 and I'll leave a link in the description below so you just need to click on that. And before we get into this one, I do have the greatest lad around, Tim Bateman, to tell you about an exciting new opportunity he has to offer you. Cheers, Jimmy. Are you looking for an exciting career for life after rugby? My name's Tim Bateman, and I've been a professional rugby player for the last 17 years. My plan for life after rugby was to get into the well-being and recovery industry, so I built O Studio, New Zealand's largest well-being and recovery centre. O-Studio has given me a career option where I can take advantage of the skills I've built through rugby. It works for my family, it lets me own my own time, and it's given me the financial freedom I need to do what I want with my life. Despite the challenges of COVID, we've seen consistent growth in our business, and we've decided to expand O-Studio throughout New Zealand and abroad. It's an exciting time for the wellbeing industry, and we're looking for top lads to be a part of it by opening your own O-Studio. If you're interested, head to ostudio.co.nz slash lad to inquire or send me an email at tim at ostudio.co.nz. Back to the show. Well, here we are with another episode and another absolute lad. Ten years ago, today's guest started his professional rugby career as an 18-year-old playing for Auckland, and not long after, he was playing for the Blues. He then headed over to France to play for Bordeaux and then off to Scotland to play for Edinburgh. He has since returned home where he's had a stint with the Mighty Hurricanes, and now he's down in Christchurch with the Crusaders. He's had some career for a 28-year-old, and anyone who has spent just a minute with this lad will know he is one of the greatest lads around. It is the great Simon Hickey. Welcome, mate. Thanks, mate. Have an intro there. Uh, mum would mum would be proud listening to that one. Uh, <laughs> thanks, mate. Yeah, it's been a uh, been a interesting journey to get to this point when you sound out all the teams like that. You know, I've sort of certainly hopped around a few places, but as you said, it has been a, an enjoyable journey. So, yeah, good to yeah. be on the show, mate. Thanks very much for having me. Nah, no problem, mate. Like, like I said, crazy career. Like, so many teams, and you've you've seen a lot, and you're still so young. So, mate, looking forward to hearing a little bit more about it. But, mate, how are you finding Christchurch? How, how's the Crusaders? It's good, eh? Um, yeah, coming down here, I guess. Yeah, uh, I was wondering, you know, what what makes them tick? You know, why are they such a such a strong team year after year? And you know, I think having a few months in the environment, you can sort of see why. Um, you know, they're just the ultimate professionals. They love their code. You know, and they work work hard and work smart, and yeah, it's really really cool team to be a part of. How's it compared to the other teams that you've been involved in? I know you've been with the Blues, been with the Hurricanes, you've seen all these different environments around the world. What makes the Crusaders so damn good? 
Um, yeah, it's a hard question to answer that one. Mm. Um, but I think I, I said it just before, like they love their code. Yeah. They, um, you know, the boys, they really do love it. And, you know, they do the extra work um, required, you know, that at other places that, that might get skimmed over. You know, boys, you'll come in at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon and, you know, there's a good chance that there's three boys sitting on a computer going over, making sure they know their roles and mm. just little stuff like that. Um, you know, they're, they're uber-professional and um, don't leave any stone unturned going into a game. Has there any, been anyone down there who's really impressed you, really stood out with um, how they go about their business? Um, oh, there's quite a few. That's a tricky question, but you, you get, look at someone like Ethan Blackadder. Um, you know, he's an absolute grafter. I know he's a, he's a lad who's been on yeah. here before, listen to his episode. Um, you know, so, so guys like him um, who work hard, um, Dave Harvilly, uh, you know, there's there's all sorts of boys. Um, you know, they they do the do the work required, and um, you know, just what else makes the Crusaders so good? I think it probably helps that they have some exceptional rugby players in the in the squad too. Eh? Like, you turn up to training and you're pretty much training with the All Blacks. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and how have you found it personally? Obviously, you've got a battle with Richie Mwanga um, to try and get a starting spot at the ten jersey. How have you found that? Yeah, look, it's been um, it's been all good, mate. It was obviously it was nice at at the start of the season. You know, Rich had a wee bit of a sabbatical, so Ferg and I got a bit of a crack at it, um, and that was good just to to get some footy. Like for me personally, I hadn't played in like fifteen months prior to that because of injury. Um, so it was great to get some footy. Um, I mean, I I came down here knowing that Richie's, you know, the number one ten, and you know that that ain't going to change. He deserves that spot, but you know, I've just got to work hard and funny things happen in rugby, so. I'm just doing my best to make sure that um you know I'm I'm prepared to play and hopefully um, opportunities pop up as the season progresses for me to get some more chances on the field. Mm. So do you see it as a real battle between you and Ferg to get that backup spot, get that bench spot, and then if Richie does go down, one of you two other guys um given the opportunity? Yeah, I think so. I mean that that's what I came down sort of uh, sort of thinking. It was you know battling it out for for that spot. Um, as well as just learning and, um, you know, trying to reignite my love for the game. Um, you know, I spent last year injured and, and to be honest, I didn't have a, a huge amount of clubs coming calling after me. I hadn't, hadn't played much, much footy in a while and coming off an ACL injury. So I was just stoked when the Crusaders gave me the opportunity and, um, you know, to be here, it's great to learn and no doubt get better at my game and hopefully get some opportunities. But I think a year here will, you know, will do a lot of good for me as well. And how is the knee feeling? Yeah, it's good. It's good, eh? Um, first long-term injury, so I was, had no idea what it would be like. But I certainly, when I'm on the field, like I feel like it doesn't inhibit my game at all. Um, yeah, so it's, it's good to go. And how, how tough was that to deal with? Like you said, first long-term injury, what was it, 12 months? Tough thing to come back from. How did you find it? Yeah, it was shit, eh? Um, well, I, I got my head around it, but just the timing of it really sucked. Like, I'd, mm. I'd come back from overseas, um, you know, a long time overseas, really excited to play Super Rugby, stoked the Hurricanes to give me a chance to play. Um, and then we had an internal hit out, you know, in pre-season, sort of last one before the proper game started. And um, I just, bang, did it, making a tackle. Um, so it was just a dagger of timing. Like, I, you know, I was really excited to try and push my case and, play Super Rugby again and get some good opportunities and then bang, that happened. So it took me a while to get my head around it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of chipped away at the rehab process. It was interesting hearing to 
So I think Tom Robinson and um, Ethan Blackout are talking about like loving that process and yeah. um, just making the most of it. And, you know, I probably wasn't too far different. Um, you know, I just, I don't mind routine. So I just got into a routine, worked hard. And then, you know, you kind of get a bit of a mental out from footy. So the injury sucked, the timing sucked, but, um, you know, using the year to just get away from footy was also quite nice. And you also got into a little bit of coaching, eh? Coaching the Hurricane 20s during that time. So I know you and Jamie Booth had a huge influence on that Hurricanes 20 side, along with Lardy, um, sinking a few Steinies, no doubt. Yeah, that was um, that was good fun, eh? Me and Boothy, the long-term injured boys, um, got tossed in the deep end to go down and coach in Taupo. Um, but hell, it was fun, and I got an insight into coaching, and it's thirsty work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so do you think coaching's a career path for you? Because you've always been a very um, smart thinker of the game, got a great rugby mind. I don't know. Eh? Um, I've never had a massive desire to coach, yeah. but you know that might change. And as I get older, that that may change. Like my brother Jono, he's he's into his coaching, and I think he's got a real good mind for it. Um, yeah, it might change for me, but I think you know, I hope I've got a few more years playing left in me, and then. I'll just wait and see. The one thing that would be good about, about coaching is um, just being in and around the, the rugby environment again. You know, it's hard to replicate that elsewhere um, and it's pretty cool. So potentially coaching, but it's certainly happy to do something else as well. Mm, mate, exciting times. But you mentioned Jono there. I, I am keen to hear about um, your upbringing, both of you two guys. I know you're both absolute lads. So what was your childhood like, you two growing up? It was good, eh? Um, we had a good childhood. Mum and Dad looked after us very well. Um, yeah, so Jono's three years older than me, um, and pretty much my whole childhood, I was just trying to keep up with him. So um, lots of sport, you know, we'd be packing our bags, jumping on our bikes and riding up to the footy ground and just kicking goals for three hours on a Sunday afternoon. Or in the summer, we'd be doing the same sort of thing, going to the cricket net. So um, just heaps of sports, not many toys, not much Lego. But uh, yeah, just heaps of sports, and yeah, it was it was good fun. And was it always a 50-50 split between cricket and rugby? Yeah, pretty much. Growing up, yeah, summer was cricket, winter was rugby, and um, you know, neither was the favourite. Uh, I know Christmas was always dominated by like backyard cricket and stuff like that, and yeah, loved my cricket. And then obviously, Jono went down. Uh, he went down a cricket path for his first few years out of school. I I, I stopped playing after school, but um, yeah, loved them both. So what caused you to stop playing cricket? Was it, um, by all accounts, you weren't too great at getting out. Your teammates all used to hide when you'd get out. So uh, you're a bit of a psycho after you'd been dismissed. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit of a psycho in my whole childhood, to be honest. Like, <laughs> when I say keeping up with Jono, it was, he'd just bait me. You know, whether it be rugby or cricket, he'd just bait me, bait me, bait me. And he'd know that he'd just hit a nerve and I'd lose my shit. So I... Um, yeah, there's a few occasions I'll be chasing around the backyard with a cricket bat or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, that wasn't only the backyard. I was never very good at getting out, playing like first 11 stuff. The boys would I'd get out and I'd come off the field just fuming. And the boys almost <laughs> huddle outside the changing room, just giggling, just waiting to hear the reaction. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I nearly learned to control it by the end of my uh, time at school. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it was certainly a work on for a while there. Is that why you quit? Did you run out of bats? <laughs> uh, the bat was the one thing I didn't throw. It was too expensive. So I'd walk in, place the bat, and then 
everything else was a free for all. <laughs> Glo- gloves were great to throw. <laughs> oh, so you were smart around it too. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what about your rugby? Were you always a 10? Yeah, pretty much 10 or a nine. Um, I played like a season of nine um, at school one year, but nah, pretty much 10. And it stayed that way, really. Like a lot of 10s could cover 15, whereas I, um, for me, I mean, I'd happily jump out the back, but my profile probably fits more to slide into nine. Um, but you just don't really see that these days. Yeah, true. So when did you think rugby was going to be the option for you? Um, yeah, I, I guess in seventh form, like I, I played cricket and rugby right up through and I love my cricket, but I guess there wasn't a clear sort of pathway with cricket. Um, like you sort of jumped into like an Auckland Academy sort of setup. But I think the reason I chose footy is just because I, I loved it a bit more. I quite like the camaraderie that comes with footy. You know, you really work hard for 80 minutes and, you know, and then it's done and you can enjoy your weekend. So that, that probably played into it. But yeah, I got the opportunity to join the Auckland Academy and they offered to pay me like, $5,000 a year and I just thought that was the jackpot, eh? So, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, and that was sort of how I made my decision. Not on five grand, but just a little bit more love for rugby than cricket. <laughs> the five grand helped. <laughs> and I'd imagine those free weekends would have played a big part too because you've always been one who has enjoyed your weekends. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, that's other thing. <laughs> Certainly enjoyed my first year out of school. Uh, yeah, nah, but I do, lo- I do love footy for that. I love, um, you know, working hard with your mates for 80 minutes and then, you know, post-game, being able to park up and have a few beers and just enjoy it. So going back to your school, why did you go to um, Kings? Because your brother went to St. Kent's, is that right? Yeah, so um, John, I went to St. Kent's. He got a, a cricket scholarship out there. And then I was pretty keen to go to St. Kent's as well. Applied for a scholarship but didn't get one, but managed to get one out to Kings. So I ended up going there. Yeah, it was brilliant though. I really loved my time at Kings. Awesome school. And you were the first 15 captain, first 11 captain. Mate, you, you were an absolute wizard at schoolboy level. <laughs> no, nah, I wasn't first 15 captain. That was fussy for time. But I think I got the I think I got the job for like one or two games once he um he got injured. But um <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it was it was good. I had a had a good run at school. Like the sports at Kings was awesome and the support, um, yeah, it was great. And then how did you feel when you came out of school? You're into the club footy. Is this when you linked up with Jono again, playing club rugby? Um, yeah, so I went to Grandma Carlton out of school. That was like my family club pretty much. So I think Dad would have disowned me if I went anywhere else. <laughs> um, at this stage, Jono was still playing cricket. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I went to Grandma Carlton, managed to make the premier side first year out, like the top tier side. Um, and we had an awesome year. Eh? Like, that was one of my funnest years of, of rugby. It was. Um, we had a stacked team. We managed to win the competition, but throughout the whole season, it was just <laughs> work hard, play hard, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, had some great Saturday nights at the club. What did that look like? Um, oh, you know what it's like. Um, <laughs> had some had some great courties. Being the young guy, the boys would generally make me do whatever, and I was one of those guys who was just, yep, sweet, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I was always up for it. So <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was a good year. It was a lot of fun. And did you think your form was good enough to get called into the Auckland squad? Um, was in the academy, Auckland Academy side, so but I never expected to play for Auckland that year. Um, they had Gareth Anscombe and then uh, another guy signed. Uh, so I didn't expect to, 
to play. I was just focused on having a good season of club footy, um, played well, and then sort of found out that I was in the mix once the season came close. So I never expected to play for Auckland that year, but um, it worked out that I was in the 23 um, for most of the games that season. I, I rode the pine for 80 quite a lot behind uh, Chicken, but uh, it was epic being involved. Though. That first year out of school, it was, yeah, brilliant. And did you feel comfortable? Um, oh, somewhat. Was, you know, it was. I felt like I was good enough to be there, but at the same time, it's pretty nerve-wracking, you know, trying to lead those older guys around as mm-hmm. a 10, as a young 10, trying to lead them around. Um, so parts of that were, un- were a little bit, you know, new to me, but I loved, loved the experience. Eh? And did you ever feel like your size was ever going to be a barrier? Like you, you're only, what, 81 kgs now. You're probably even smaller back then. Um, did you ever feel like that was going to be something that would hold you back or were you always confident that you were big enough and good enough? Um, Oh, I never really felt like it would hold me back. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Sort of when you came out of school, I feel this was about 10 years ago, a lot of the S&C was around, you know, you just got to get bigger, bigger, bigger. Mm. Um, you know, and I sort of got to around 82 kgs or something, and then that was about it for me. Um, and I never really felt like it was going to hold me back. I mean, I've always been quite brave defensively, so I felt like... You know, whilst I'm probably not going to win a huge amount of collisions on with my tackles, I'll certainly, you know, be brave enough to put my head in the spokes and try and chop guys down. So I never felt like it was going to be an issue. You know, some coaches probably thought, you know, they wanted someone a bit bigger. But um, for me, I, I didn't see it as a big deal and I still don't. And then you were picked into the New Zealand 20 squad, eh? And the squad that you were starting ahead of Richie Mawanga and some other big names there. Um, did you feel any pressure around being in that role? Um, yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to play two years of 20s. So my first year we were over in France um, and I was sort of coming back from injury but played a few games and we lost in a semi. And then the next year, yeah, played in that team with like Richie and Damo and Anton Leonard-Brown and just some superstars, eh? Mm. Um, Jacko was in that team as well, Jackson. So like we had some, yeah, real superstars in that team. But it was funny because I was like looking back on it now, I was captain of that team because I'd had a wee bit of super rugby exposure. Um, and I was, yeah, I was confident in that role and stuff. But I got injured like two games into the comp or something. Oh. So I was out. And then I think Richie went to 10 and Damien went to 15. So not a bad uh, yeah, not a bad little <laughs> backup. Eh? Probably worked out the best for them. <laughs> Mate, that's something that stood out throughout your careers. Like you've been captain in pretty much all the sides you've been involved in. I remember you even captaining Auckland at a really young age. So what is it about that you that makes you such a good captain material? I don't know, to be honest, mate. Um, like I, I try to be a, a good team man and hard worker and, yeah, try to let my actions do the talking more than anything. But probably just, you know, in those years where I was captain for Auckland initially, we had quite a few guys called up to the All Blacks. Mm. So, you know, you lose a bit of experience and then it, you know, fell down the pecking order. But, um, yeah, I love being captain for Auckland. I was very, very proud to do that. And, um yeah, yeah, it was cool. How old were you then? Because I think I, I remember playing against you. I was at Taranaki and you were at Auckland and we were both captains of the size, but you must have been about um, 20, were you? Yeah, well, I went overseas when I was, what, 21. So I think, yeah, about um, about 20. True, yeah, so pretty, yeah, pretty young, pretty young looking back on it, but I um, probably didn't think about it that much at the time. We had yeah. we had a coach, Paul Feeney, who was, um, he's a good man, Paul, and uh 
yeah, he just filled me with confidence. Hey, eh? it's just just be yourself, and so I did, and yeah, it was sweet. And so you were playing. What age were you playing for the Blues? Must have been even earlier than that. No, I think I debuted for the Blues at twenty. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I just turned just turned twenty and debuted. I remember that day I was we were actually playing against Crusaders, and I got told on a Monday I was playing. It was from um, Kerwin, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're playing this week." And I was like, "Oh yeah, sweet." So, but on the bench, or and he's like. No, you're starting unless you don't want to. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so, because that whole um, preseason for the Blues, they had me playing at nine because oh, yeah. that was the year where they had um, like Benji was there. So they had Benji and then Chris Noakes and Baden Kerr. So, you know, in my head, I was down the picking order in terms of tens. Um, so, most of the preseason, they had me running at nine just as like a nine ten cover. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we lost to the Highlanders round one. And, um, Kevin calls me into his office and he's like, yeah, you're playing. I was like, oh, shit. Haven't played any 10 at all. <laughs> but uh, it was, yeah, no, nah, it was pretty exciting. And then I remember running out onto the field. It was our kickoff. And um, it was Richie McCaw standing on the 10, you know, where yeah. the number seven used to stand, like right in front. And I was just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I got into the game and, and loved it and actually went right that day. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to play for the Blues at that age. Hundred percent. And one person you mentioned there was um, Benji Marshall. What was it like having him involved in that squad? It was cool, eh? He was um, Benji was an awesome dude, like awesome team man. Um, it obviously didn't really work out for him rugby wise here for for whatever reason, but um, it was cool, epic to like get to know someone that um, you know I've always loved my rugby league and. Mm stuff so you know you watch all the Benji highlight videos and whatnot and so to get to know him and and play with him it was pretty cool. What sort of stopped him from kicking on in rugby union do you think? It's a hard question that eh but um, I think they brought him over sort of hoping he'd be 10 but you know rugby is such a different game to league the game management so much different to a half in in the NRL Um, and so it wasn't really a 10. And then the Blues had Charles Piatow at fullback, who was like our best player. So it just kind of worked out that there wasn't overly a, a spot for him. Mm. So that, that probably didn't help. I mean, I don't know exactly. And I'm not the right person to, to comment. But that, in my opinion, it was probably just part of the problem there. So did you get a heap of game time that year? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I got like, I think I played 10 games that year. So I played that game against Crusaders. And then, yeah, I got... I got a lot of starts that season um, and I went not too bad, but sort of had ups and downs and yeah, had a few good games. We sort of probably won, I think we won all our home games and lost all our away games, which is pretty classic blues at, at that time. Uh, yeah. So I went all right, but to be honest, I probably just wasn't quite ready to, you know, to be a, a starting 10 at Super Rugby level at, at that age. Yeah. Well, mate, you were so young and everything seemed to happen so quickly for you, eh? Yeah, it did. It did. So, like, I mean, I wouldn't take any of it back, mm. but um, like, it's it shaped you know the career I've had, which has been great so mm. far and whatnot. But um, yeah, if I had my time again, easing myself into it, you know, might be might have been a better way to just slowly build. Um, whereas what ended up happening is I got you know thrown thrown in there, played alright, had some average games, and then sort of got tossed out the other side pretty quickly. Yeah, so that's one thing I've always wondered about your career is you said you left for France at only 21 years old. Such a such a shame to be going over so early. So what what was the thought process behind that? Or was there literally nothing here for you? 
Yeah, so um, I had I had that first season with the Blues where I played played a fair bit, and then uh, I got injured and missed the end of the season. And the next season I was with the Blues again, um, but to be honest, they weren't really interested in playing me. Like I was on the bench quite a lot, um, but they weren't that interested in putting me on the field. You know, so that that wasn't great. Then there was change of coaches. Um, following that and they were sort of humming and hiring oh there might be a spot might not be you know so there was quite a lot of that around New Zealand um, you know oh there might be a spot for you here maybe not and then um, yeah my agent was just like oh you've got interest from a club called Bordeaux in France I'd never heard of them Um, but uh, he was like look it's a good place what do you reckon and it was just for eight months so it was like go do that sort of during super and then come home for the Auckland season so I was like, yeah, why not pull trigger on it? And that was kind of, yeah, why I went over there. And then you didn't come back, did you? You stayed there for three years, was it? Yeah, so I went for the eight months yeah. and then I came back to play for Auckland. But before I came back, things, you know, it would have been going quite well over there. And so I re-signed for two more seasons, but right. came back and played for Auckland um, in between. True. So how did you find it? You obviously yeah. loved it over in France. Yeah, it was pretty good, eh? Um it was a great life experience. It was a lot of fun. Um, in the deep end a wee bit, heading over by myself at 21 to a place that I'd never even heard of, but um, it was cool. Great experience. And what did you find about the quality of rugby over there in the top 14? Yeah, it was good, eh? Um, certainly a lot different to New Zealand. I'd say the quality of training was certainly a lot below par to what I was used to here. Like, I remember turning up my first day for Bordeaux. Um Back's training, we're doing four corners, like gut balls and like popping <laughs> in the middle. And then when we got really expensive, it was the old truck and trailer. So <laughs> I turned, that was day one. And I was just going, what the fuck have I signed up for here? But um, nah, the, the boys could play. Yeah. Like the boys could play. It was certainly a different brand of rugby, um, massively forward dominant um, and just size. Size means a lot. Like I'd just have big number 12s running down the channel all day. <laughs> But uh, it was, yeah, pretty good, pretty good standard. Like, you're playing against some massive names over there. Yeah. And how did your debut go? Um, yeah, debut was was good. We were playing um, Star France in Paris. So, Star France had won the comp the year before, and I don't think Bordeaux had beaten them in Paris in something like 10 years. So, we got a win. I went all right, did my job. Um, and the president of the club, president of Bordeaux, was like, boys, outstanding work the nights on me he said it in french but <laughs> that was what the boys <laughs> translated it to me so he pulled <laughs> he pulled out his card and whacked it on some bar in france or in paris sorry yeah so i was like a kid in a candy shop i was on <laughs> and, uh, over in france it's, you know you you buy bottles so you're buying a bottle of rum or whatever and you're doing your solo pours and i was a wee bit heavy-handed that <laughs> night because <laughs> i've just blacked out and uh woken up the next morning and we had a bus a bus to the airport at like 7 30 in the morning or something Mm. and i've been woken up by uh my aussie teammate he goes simon simon yeah i think we missed the bus what time is it he's like it's 11 (laughs) a.m so on my first away trip with the boys i've missed the team bus missed the trip back to bordeaux so i was just in all sorts like I was shitting myself. Like, what are they going to do here? But we figure out, we get our own way back, jump on a train, and uh, 
text the coach and he comes back and he's like, no worries, you're allowed to get away with that stuff and we have good wins like that. <laughs> get back to Bordeaux <laughs> safe. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it was a pretty good outcome in the end. But, yeah, pretty funny first night out. Oh, mate, that's classic. Mate, they're so um, results-focused over there, eh? Like, if you're playing well, everything's smooth sailing, eh? Like you said, you can do what you yeah. want pretty much. But as soon as you yeah. start losing, that's when everything turns. Yeah, hard out. And uh, I think part of that is like promotion relegation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty stressful if you're down in the, you know, bottom part of the table. You know, there's always talk of relegation or whatever. Um, yeah, so the, the ladder's going up in the team meeting on a Monday pretty much every week. Um, you're always aware of it. So, yeah, you're dead right. Huge, huge results focus. And the other thing is like massive uh, focus on winning your home games and then, you know what happens away is not a not a big deal. Mm. So how did the team go while you were over there? We were decent, eh? Um, Bordo, they've actually gone really well in the last couple of seasons. But historically, we've been like a team that, or we were a team that just missed out on the playoffs. So we were finishing like seventh and eighth, and it's over there. It's top six. So we never quite made the playoffs. But um, yeah, we we're always middle of the table. We were decent enough. So then why the move to Edinburgh? Like you were going so well in France, you're on massive coin um, and then you move over to Scotland. <laughs> Don't know about the massive coin, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. Um, I guess like three years living in France by myself, you know, it can at times become a wee bit isolating. Mm. Um, and so I was sort of during that whole time, I was looking at, you know, as a, opportunity for me to come home back to back to New Zealand or back to Super Rugby or whatever but it's always quite difficult in terms of timing of contracts because you're looking like 14 months ahead for the New Zealand Super Rugby team so it's quite hard to get their interest um so I was going going quite well for Bordeaux in my third season and then yeah had a couple of things um options pop up and one of them was Edinburgh and yeah I'd say it was probably more my decision was more on like just my life as opposed to my rugby at that stage so um going up there was yeah it was an exciting like going back to speaking english and experience that uk culture so that was a, a big part of it um and yeah so it was just kind of just the way it worked out what were the other options stay at bordeaux or there was a couple of other clubs in france interested true so you went for the english yeah. speaking edinburgh option and how did you find it going Pretty there much. Yeah, it was good, eh? They're good people, the Scots. Like, yeah, they're real, real friendly people, not too different to Kiwis in a lot of ways. Um, Edinburgh was a nice city. Uh, it was cold and dark, but I knew it was going to be cold and dark when I signed to go and play for Edinburgh. Yeah. So uh, we went all right, but we didn't play a great brand of footy, to be honest. Like, she was pretty attritional, drive, kick, chase, dominant. That was the focus. So I didn't get many touches of the ball. So that, that part of it was a bit frustrating. So it was all that kicking from nine? Yeah, all the kicking was from nine. It was, which is, I know, it's happening a lot um, around the world. But yeah, a lot of kicking from nine, just contestables, and then worry about defense. So, how how did your role change from going from France? What was your main role in France, and then what was your main role in Edinburgh? Yeah, France was a little bit more loose. Um, obviously, they had their structures and stuff, but it was a wee bit more just joué, as the Frenchies say. So, you know, had a bit more of a license to throw it around. Whereas in Edinburgh, we went and we were quite um quite a tight team you know like it was more 
you know, in New Zealand, that's kind of around like decision execution. You know, you might go for a cross kick and kick it out on the full, but the decision was good. So don't worry about it. Just nail the execution next time. Whereas over in Edinburgh, it was more like, if you do something, you better bloody get it right. Otherwise, <laughs> it's not a good decision. It's only a good decision if you execute. So yeah. um, you're almost, we're playing fair a little bit, which mm. was um, tough for a New Zealander. Yeah. And what other Kiwis were there with you at the time? Were you there with the likes of Hardy and stuff? Nah, I just missed them, eh? So, um, yeah, John Hardy and Bills, or Billy, they left the year before me. Oh, true. Um, unfortunately, so I heard they were good lads. So it was just a, um, a guy, Simon Bergen, who's played a few games for Scotland. He's a Kiwi, but he uh, he didn't play footy in New Zealand really before before going over there. And apparently Edinburgh nightlife goes pretty good. How'd you find that? Yeah, it goes pretty good. Um, the Scots love it, eh? They have their socials and they're, they're pretty good fun. The nights of like the test matches, they were epic. Mm. Yeah, they were good stuff. And then Edinburgh also has a, it's called a fringe festival. It's like pretty much a month long party where the population doubles over like <laughs> July or August or something, right in the middle of pre-season. So there's plenty of um, weekend <laughs> activities then. Oh, mate, you would have been absolutely into it. <laughs> Had my moments. <laughs> So then why the move back to New Zealand and how did that opportunity come up for you to return to the Canes? Yeah, as I said, um, I was sort of always open to coming back home. Like, And a lot of that was just about, you know, my life outside of rugby. You know, I'm a big family man and I, I missed them the whole time overseas. So I was always talking to my agent about, you know, looking at how could I get home ready rah. But it's hard to, you know, it was hard to just sign for like a minor 10 cup team, you know, and you're leaving a decent contract on the table for you know it's just taking a big risk so um luckily I was back in January we had a couple of weeks off and I came back and then my agent said the Hurricanes were interested um so I actually flew down whilst I was home and had a catch up with Alfie and co and um then yeah like a couple of weeks later they gave me an offer for for the following year so yeah I was stoked eh? stoked to come home really excited to play super rugby and yeah, it was, I was fizzed, absolutely fizzed. And how did how was your form for Edinburgh when you'd already signed your next contract the following year? Did you feel like that dropped at all or did you feel like you were playing as well as ever? That was actually, so COVID hit. I think I signed for the Canes in like January or something and then yeah. COVID hit oh, in February or whatever. So I, I don't even know if I played another game for Edinburgh after uh, after signing for the Hurricane. True. Um, yeah, it was a weird time, weird time. So did you feel like you came back a better player from your overseas experience? Obviously, as a young fella, you were throwing in the deep end, you're playing starting super rugby, go overseas. Do you feel like you came back a better player? Yeah, I mean, I felt like I feel like I've come back with a far more broad mindset on ways to play the game. Like yeah. growing up in New Zealand, um, massively biased on the way that we play the game and mm. um, you know, throwing the ball around, playing more expansive rugby. And particularly when you you see the All Blacks winning like they did for or like they have been, um, you know, particularly that huge dominant period where they won the two World Cups. Mm. You know, you kind of go New Zealand's the best way. Whereas going over there, you know, I learned that there are other ways to play the game that might not be as exciting, but they can be pretty effective as well. So, mm. um, yeah, I think I've come back with a, I guess, just a bit more experience as coaches will term it, but. Um, certainly like coming back home, it's been good to try and sharpen up around my, just my ball playing and stuff where you get so much more of that here, just 
build decision making at the line and things like that. Mm, nice. And then I remember you coming into the Canes environment. Always loved it when a new player would arrive to the squad. Opportunity to try and get a prank call. And mate, I knew the pressure was on after Bodie had left. Everyone was looking for this next big ten. Jacko seemed to be coughing it from the keyboard warriors. So was Fletcher. So was I. So um, try to we prank on you, but mate, you handled yourself like an absolute champion in that interview. That was yeah, that was good from you. Eh? You had me absolutely hooked on it. Eh? Um, I had no idea. Uh, yeah, because yeah, you just I don't know whoever was listening has maybe heard that one, but just bagging out the other tens, <laughs> pretending to be a radio host. <laughs> I was just sitting there going, "But what do I say?" <laughs> Lucky I didn't incriminate myself. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> I probably could have tried a bit more once we went off air and got you to start, <laughs> <laughs> start really bagging the boys. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would have been good stuff. Try it down here, see if I bag my fellow teams down at the Crusaders. <laughs> probably, <laughs> it's probably a tough job, that. Not too much bag. <laughs> yeah, is there many, um, many guys available for a prank down there? Anyone you think would be um, able to get hook, line and sinker down there? Uh, I'll have a think. I'm sure I'll come up with someone for you. <laughs> One of the young boys, mate, <laughs> one of the gullible ones. Mate, it's getting harder and harder, but um, <laughs> yeah, it might, might, might be time to bring back a good old-fashioned prank. But how did yeah, you find the um, how did you find the Hurricanes environment? Yeah, it was good, eh? It was it was good fun. Like I loved turning up to work each day. Good, real good bunch of lads. Like I still um keep in touch with a lot of them. Um, real good, real, real good lads. It was pretty relaxed environment. Um, you know, but when they got on the field, they certainly worked hard. I was gutted I never got a game for them. Yeah. Um, you know, after getting injured, that that sucked. So um yeah, sort of tainted my experience a wee bit there. But I mean, as I said, I love turning up to work each day, they're good lads. So the following year yeah. after your injury, you'd obviously only signed the one year contract. Was an yeah. offer from the Canes back on the table or was that was that it done? Nah, there wasn't another offer back on the table. So I'd signed a one year, I was off contract for this year. Um, and they were Sort of saying there might be, there might be an offer, but um, it just didn't, didn't work out. So didn't have a, an opportunity to go back there, but stoked that it, you know, worked out to come down to Crusaders. Lucky they gave me, Razor gave me a lifeline. Yeah, good set. Because you obviously had a pretty disappointing Bunnings Cup with Auckland being pretty much pulled out of the comp from COVID. So what was that season to deal with? Yeah, it was weird. Eh? For me, it was a bit different because I wasn't going to be playing anywhere. Um, like I was I was not going to be playing that season but I was living with a bunch of the boys like Sass and Scraff and um, a guy Adrian Choke from up at the Blues so I was living with them and it was just like riding the waves you know like we could be playing this week could be playing next week might be off to Taupo tomorrow not maybe off to Taupo next week and then eventually after like six weeks of that or something it finally got pulled pin so um, I just felt real sorry for the young boys like the you know, it's such a great competition for particularly young boys to get a bit of exposure and stuff. Um, and so to not get that was, you know, a shame for them. Mm. And what was it like living with that crew? They sound like some absolute <laughs> roosters to live with. Was Salisi still doing his impressions every day or? <laughs> Jaunty. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, nah, they good crew to live with. Eh? We had a bit of fun because we were in lockdown together. Um so, yeah, we had a good time just taking the mickey out of Scraffy. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, John T was in fine form. <laughs> the other person who would have been gutted that, that oh, Auckland were pulled out of the comp was Roger. 
two of us as Sheik, who was looking to sort of give rugby his first crack then. Did you have much to do with him in that environment or was it all sort of just locked down? You didn't really get to see anyone. Didn't get too much to do with him. Like only in camp with him for probably like three weeks. Um, I played with Roger at, like at Schoolboys. Oh, did you? Um, so I knew him a wee bit coming in. Um, great to see him back playing rugby again mm. for Auckland and, and the Blues. It's epic, eh? Um, so I didn't didn't see a huge amount of him, but um, like there's no doubt that skill set's there. Like you see him on the training field and just some of the stuff he's capable of doing um, is pretty incredible. And he's got a great work ethic too. So, you know, little things like kicking and, um, you know, passing under pressure on the footy field, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll learn learn fast. And just watching watching him play for the Blues so far this season, like you can tell he's got the goods, eh? Deadly footwork, eh? Yeah. And then, so what's your plans going forward? You've got this year to see out with the Crusaders. It's just the one-year deal, isn't it? So have you looked yeah. any further ahead? Yeah, just one year deal uh, with the Crusaders. So, you know, finish out the season here and hopefully get some opportunities. Um, you know, there's still a lot of footies to be played. Mm-hmm. So hoping that I can play a wee bit of that, but we'll just, you know, see what see what time brings. So it's got to be patient. Um, and uh, then I'm heading back up to Auckland for the Barnings comp, which be should be good. Love playing for Auckland, love that crew. So I'm pleased to get back up there. And um, yeah, then we'll go from there. So I'm not too sure what I'm up to you know, from the end of the year on, but we'll just wait and see and look forward to it. Is the dream to stay in New Zealand now for as long as possible or um, depending on super gigs? Yeah, look, I'm so, I'm relatively open open to it. Um, if good opportunities pop up in New Zealand where, uh, you know, it looks like I'll be getting a chance to play decent minutes of super rugby, then, you know, it's definitely, I'd definitely be keen to stay. Mm. Um, but then I'm also, I'm open to going overseas again, eh? Um, yeah, just wait and see. I've learned not to look too far ahead, Gemma. It's yeah. uh yeah, rugby's thrown some curveballs at me over the last ten years. So just take it day at a time almost. Mate, that is uh, that is what you have to do. But is there any competitions that make you think, man, I'd love to give that competition a go? Um I think I'll be keen to play in Japan at some stage, eh? Um, the yen. Yeah, the yen. <laughs> but uh Jono had a year over there. He yeah. loved it. I've spoken to a few people who have all enjoyed it. Um enjoyed their time in Japan. So I reckon I'll be pretty keen to give that a crack, see what the lifestyle's about um, and play some footy. You know, it looks like fast rugby. Mm. Apparently the contact's not as big, which <laughs> as an 82 kg rugby player these days isn't the worst. Um, but mate, I'm open. I play anywhere. I love the French comp. I'm happy to, happy to play anywhere to be honest, mate. Rivers best. And your body's feeling good? Feel like you've got plenty of years left in you? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon I've got a few years left. I'm 28 now, but yeah. um, body feels body feels good. Certainly up to it. Um, probably not as good as it did when I was like 20, but um, certainly certainly feel up to the um, requirements of of pro footy. So, mate, I've I've got no plans of stopping playing anytime soon. Eh? Mm. Um, you know that that can all change, but yeah, fingers crossed. I've still got a fair bit of footy in, in me. Eh? It'd be nice playing to the mid 30s, but we'll see. Surely, surely we see you play into your mid-30s. So, but we sort of talked about it before um, in that sort of seven-year time frame. I know you've spoken a little bit about coaching, not potentially the route you're hoping to take, but what is what is the plans post-footy? What's what's the dream for you? Um, yeah, I don't know. I've actually, very proudly, last year I finished my uh, 10-year BCom. Oh, um, yeah, it took, took me 10 years to get there, but... Um, yeah, so we'll wait and see. Um, I'm open to doing something away from rugby. 
or um or within it you know we'll wait and see business world um you know i'd be keen to try something out in that at some stage but once the time comes a little bit closer you know just use those networks to try and you know make sure that i'm ready for whatever's next once rugby stops how did you do your study was that just a couple of papers every year yeah pretty much um yeah just chipped away part-time the whole time occasionally i didn't do any but um I picked it up actually a bit more over the last like two or three years. I'd do like maybe four papers a year. Yeah. And it was good. Eh? I honestly reckon I played better rugby when I was studying than when I wasn't. Good to give you something to take your mind away from it because it's so easy to ride the highs and lows of footy mm. um, massively. Like you have a good day at training or you have a bad day at training. You come home and you just you ride that wave. So it was nice to have something to take my mind off it. Particularly mm. living overseas, I had a lot of time with my own thoughts. So um, having something else was great. I think that's something a lot of rugby players don't quite realise is how much actual free time you have eh? as a professional rugby player. Yeah, yeah you train yeah. hard when you're training and um, there are some big days, especially pre-season and um, the busy days of the week, but you've got a lot of time. You've got a lot of um, spare time that you can be productive with. And at the moment, I know yeah. a lot of guys don't really um, see much value in that and gaming and a lot of things like that occupy a lot of time punting for some yeah. but it's an opportunity for to get really good at something and like you say prepare yourself for life after rugby i love that yeah I, I, hell it certainly doesn't have to be study yeah. or whatever but i just think um you know using some time productively like it, it just always made me feel a bit better about myself mm. you know like i could be not select not selected on a tuesday and be gutted but then go home and i've got couple of lectures to get through which i don't necessarily enjoy but yeah. um you know you get them done and then you you feel good about yourself for it you feel like you're getting a wee bit better so mm. i think just finding some way to use your time as you said we've got a lot of it certainly is uh is good for you mm. like that wow it leads into the next bit my favorite part of the show every week questions and simon the sicko hickey has come <laughs> up with plenty in this one um First question, where is Sickle from? This is from your good flatmate, Scrafton. Where is Sickle from? Uh, well, so back to my club rugby days at Grammar Carlton, um, there was a guy there called Brickle. Um, <laughs> he used to cop <laughs> he used to cough a bit of shit. Um, good man, but he used to he used to cough a wee bit of shit. And um, and then uh, some of the boys had started calling me Sicky, like Simon Hickey. And then that turned into into sickle, and they made me do some weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's where sickle and originated. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's where sickle originated. But then it sort of progressed into other things like sick little man and <laughs> all the stuff. I just go with. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Okay, next one. Are you related to the weather guy, Jimmy Hickey? Uh I think dad might be like second cousins with him or something. Not in, we're not related in any way that I've ever met him. Good, great man. Good weather man. <laughs> One of the great <laughs> Real good weather man. Yeah. Is that a yarn? Second cousins of your old man or? <laughs> nah, like I think he might be a distant relative. Eh? <laughs> he might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I don't it. know. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Okay. Now this is a question that pretty much comes in every week. All the lads love a do story, but what's your best do story? Um, or oh, it's a toughie. Had a few, had a few good, uh, good trips, but maybe, um, one goodie was over one of my good mates, Michael Collins. We, um, 
we were both played in, in Europe our first year over there. And before coming back to New Zealand at the end of the season, we're like, yeah, we'll see something good up. And so we decided to go to Greece for a week um, and just bounce around a couple of party islands and hell of a week. And I ended up getting a, a tattoo on my toe. <laughs> and I sent my brother the photo, but no one else in my family. And uh, it was like a camel, camel toe. And, um, <laughs> and mum caught wind of it. And or mum and dad caught one of it, and dad sent me this message just cracking up, like yeah. it was hilarious. And mum sent me this message, like just blowing me up. She's <laughs> like, I question your decision making, especially when you're on the piss. No more tattoos. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, we hate tattoos, and it was, uh, it was hilarious. So, um, yeah, it was good, dude. Show us your tattoo. Is it what is it on your toe? It's on my toe, toe yeah. It's faded a wee bit now. Can you see that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's an, yeah, it's an easy laugh. If anyone gets offended by a little camel on your toe, then I'm not too worried about being mates with them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Okay, the next one was a, was a yarn about, it must have been your club rugby days. Tell, them about, tell us about the argument you had on the field with Jono versus Manukau. Oh, yeah, this was quite good. So um, I think Jono was captain, and but he would just blow up referees. Like these poor referees would just cop it. <laughs> and like they're riffing, they're riffing club footy. Like you're not going to get every decision right, but he would just blow up at the ref. And I just spent half the game like trying to fucking calm him down. I'm like, mate, it's not helping. Yeah. You're blowing up the ref is not helping. And then it's just turned into a full-blown argument. <laughs> <laughs> on the field and so these people must have just been like cracking up these two little white guys <laughs> just having an argument nine or ten years it was hard case oh well, what was it like playing club footy with him you guys both sound like quite angry men um i'm not that angry i just used to be angry <laughs> at cricket <laughs> he's yeah. still angry yeah so he's, he's still angry, angry at rugby you're angry at cricket <laughs> <laughs> yeah nah playing playing club rugby with john was epic eh? Yeah. Just playing with him. We played a bit with uh, for Auckland too, which was which was great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the old nineteen combo, but uh, we just sort of think very similar things. So um, yeah, we generally played pretty pretty well together. But club rugby, we just have like a kicking comp on a Friday, and so who gets to kick the goals on Saturday? It was pretty yeah, pretty good fun. Yeah, that leads to the next question: Who is the better goal kicker out of you both? Oh, uh, if you were to send us down to the park now and have a kicking comp, he'd probably beat me. But uh, I like I like to think that um, games bring out my best kicking. Mm. And does that, <laughs> so does that get you the nod when you were having your kicking contest, or how would you decide other than whoever kicked the best at when training? We, when we played for Auckland, I'd normally kick the goals, but yeah. um, fuck, to be honest, there's not much in it. He can kick it further than me. Is he still coaching kicking? Yep. Yeah, he's a good coach, John. I reckon he'll be a, a footy coach one day. He's mm. yeah, he's good. Does he coach your kicking? Yeah, we but if I need some tips, hey, he's the person I'll go to. Yeah. Oh, how good's that? That was that yeah, that was quite funny growing up. That would be he'd be telling me to do something. It still kind of happens. Mm. Doesn't fucking feel right. Yeah, it's not gonna <laughs> feel right until you start. So yeah. <laughs> Little bickering, but it's worked out pretty well. Oh, good stuff. Okay, next one. Do you still have aspirations to play test footy? Yeah, I mean, fucking never say never, eh? Um obviously as time wears on. You know, it becomes less and less likely. So, you know, I'm not going to come out here and be like, yeah, absolutely, 100% want to be an all black, but I would love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's going to, 
going to take a couple of seasons of playing regularly, seriously good footy at super rugby level. So, you know, as I said, I just take it a day at a time and, you know, whatever comes, comes. Okay, next one. What's Big Pablo like? He's good man, eh? Yeah, he's a real good man. Uh, like when he was coming, I sort of expected quite a um, like brash, big Argentinian, but he's like real gentle, gentle giant, lovely man. He's got time for everyone. Yeah, he's got a huge amount of respect in the Crusaders environment, eh? Um, That's awesome. Real good. Yeah. Because mm. you watch him play, especially when he was playing for Argentina, you just see this physical big ang- looked angry a lot of the time eh? but yeah i haven't quite seen yeah. that side of him um at the crusaders he's obviously loving his time down there yeah yeah i think he is eh? i think he's loving it here um i think it'll be good for his rugby too you know to play that a bit more of an expansive brand but also with a bit more detail like um coaches really push his skill set and i think um like i don't know how long he's sticking around here for but you know when he goes back and plays for argentina i think he'll be a better player for his time at the Crusaders. Mm, no doubt, like that. Okay, next one. Next question is from our very great sponsors, Swish. Swish question. Uh, if you could get a video shout-out from anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Ooh. Uh, maybe Tiger Woods. Oh, Tiger, I've, eh? I've, yeah, I've, I've got the... You're a I've pest got, too. <laughs> I've got the golf bug big time, so... Um, you know, from Tiger, it'd be quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this was the most popular question. Came in maybe four or five times for you, and they're all around fire trucks. So, what, what's your all-time favourite fire truck? Uh, probably one in my bedroom, eh? Quite nice <laughs> fire. <laughs> um, yeah, nah. I used to, you know, once that first year out of school came, I really used to attack my nights out with a fair bit of intent. Um, <laughs> And uh, that led to a couple of situations where I had the uh, yeah, embarrassment of changing my sheets at home on a Sunday, putting the mattress out to dry. <laughs> there's been, yeah, there's been a couple, but I haven't done that in years, just so everyone knows. I've, I've grown up. I'm very mature now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Uh, who does it, Next one. Who does it better with the Cordy, Scots, Frenchies or Kiwis? Uh, Kiwis, I reckon. Although it's also different, eh? Like the Frenchies are more likely to take you out for a three-course meal and a few wines, and then start to, uh, you know, start to drink properly at like two a.m. Whereas the Scots and Kiwis are more aligned and going hard, going early. But yeah, uh, yeah I reckon you can't beat a good Kiwi courtier. The organisation's always top drawer, and yeah. The buy-in's great. Although I reckon quarters have gone down hella wee bit over the years. Eh? People weren't buying as well as they used to. Mm. You know, like when, when I was first year out of school, it was like, <laughs> you're a young boy, just shut up and do what you're told. Yeah. Whereas now there's a lot of, you know, a lot of chat coming from some of the young boys. <laughs> makes things a little bit more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no one's quite as easy pushover as you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do what you're told. It'll be fun, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But look at you. You had a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, player you most looked up to? Um, oh, uh, it was a mix between like Dan Carter and Carlos. Um, I was like big Blues supporter growing up, obviously from Auckland. So love Carlos. That I was at that 2003 final that they won. That was pretty cool. So mm. love Carlos. But then um, Dan Carter, right? he was the he was. He's the goat, man. So yeah. looked up to him, and I actually lucky enough to play against him a few times, eh, which was pretty cool. How was that? Yeah, it was cool. Um, interesting. Like I played, 
I played him twice over in France, once here, and um, over in France, like he was a bit older, so he probably didn't have all the physical attributes he had, but just he just pulled the strings, um, yeah, so well. It was yeah, it was pretty cool to see firsthand. Mm, it's always cool when you're playing against someone like that, eh? and you're just like sort of in awe of them, even though you're supposed to be playing against them. Yeah, hard out, hard out. It was yeah, it was great. Okay, next question. Did he ever buy a round in Edinburgh? <laughs> Love to know who asked that. My my guess is Biggs. Christine. <laughs> oh, Dino. Um, yeah, couple. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always been good with your money? Um, like relatively, I sort of, you know, like I was always quite um, keen to try and save up and buy a house in Auckland, which takes a fair bit <laughs> these days. <laughs> Been not too bad. I didn't didn't blow too much, and also like I've never taken rugby for granted in terms of like, um, oh, it's going to be here for the next five years. I've always been like, well, I'm sweet for this contract, but then what if I get a career ender, mm. or I'm playing terribly? So I've never taken it for granted. So I've tried not to blow it, but you know, all prioritize different things. Mm, that's it. Okay, next one. Uh, do you think you could have gone far in cricket? Um, oh, it's hard to say. I don't know. Cricket's such a hard game. Um, I loved it and I was, yeah, I was like massively passionate about it all the way up until I stopped playing. But I don't, you know, you can talk about it all day, but who knows? Like, it's a hard game, cricket. You might have what it takes and might not. Like, we'll never know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need to get you in that black clash. Yeah, I'll be keen for having the black clash. That'd be yeah. good stuff. Yeah. yeah. You and John. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, get John in there. Mate, that would be good stuff. <laughs> Opening the batting. The lads. Okay, two more questions. Most memorable moment on the rugby field? Um, probably hard to go past my um, Super Rugby debut for the Blues, eh? Um, that was like an absolute uh, dream come true, playing Super Rugby. And, you know, I'm at the Crusaders now, so that's where my, um, you know, where my heart lies now. But back then, like, playing for the Blues against the Crusaders, um, you know, we got the one that was, yeah, that was a dream, dream come true at the time. Okay, last question, and I know this answer is going to be good because 10 years of traveling the world, playing footy everywhere, some of the best environments in the world. Best piece of advice Simon Hickey has for our Waterlad listeners? Oh, that's a tough one. I should have come prepared for this. Could have, <laughs> could have told me, Gamma. I know you have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we just go with what I said earlier, just um, all the footy players, just make sure you've done something else alongside your footy. It'll help your footy and it'll help you help your life off the field as well. I like that. Sometimes you need to say it the second time to drum it home, and that was probably the perfect time to use that technique. You've you've used it at the start and at the end just to really reinforce how important it is. What what a yeah, great exactly. piece of advice. That's why I dropped it in slightly earlier in the episode as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, you're an absolute lad. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Go through your journey. Only 28 years old. Feels like you've been around forever. Captaining Auckland at 20 years old. Incredible scenes. And, mate, it's been awesome following your journey. And it's awesome to get to cross paths with you briefly for half a season there at the Canes. You are one of the great lads of the game and looking forward to following you in the future, mate. Beauty, thanks heaps for having me, Gemma. Um, you know, likewise, it's awesome, awesome to be on the on the potty and I'm enjoying following the Waterlad journey, mate. So I hope to see it keep growing and growing. Cheers, mate. mate. You're a champion.